What is up, everybody? What's up, Victory? Hey, we are at Victory Midtown today. So let's welcome in Victory Hamilton Mill, Victory North Cobb, all of our Victory Online family, and especially you there at Victory Norcross. You are not used to seeing me like this. All right, but we're going to be back with you next week, though, okay? Um, I'm excited about today. Hey, uh, uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, Summer and I had the opportunity to go to the Four Seasons Resort in Scottsdale, Arizona. And uh, just in case you're curious, we didn't pay for it. <laughs> they're, they're, they were hosting some people to be able to come in. Uh, we ain't got that Four Seasons money. Um, but if you've never been to the Four Seasons, let me be your tour guide just for a moment. Um, uh, at the Four Seasons, you immediately notice how nice everything is. Like, it is, it's so nice that you don't want to touch anything. You know what I'm saying? And so Summer and I, we, we walk in uh, very vividly. We, I remember we walk in to the breakfast area. It's all, all ornate and everything. And there's this thick-cut maple bacon. <laughs> scrambled, not scrambled eggs, scrambled egg whites. Exotic cheeses. Right, and you sit down, and the waiters are bringing you coffees and lattes, and I'm like, "Oh, oh, you're, oh, you're the best. Oh, you're the best. Oh, thank. No, I can't eat. Just, just, okay, just a little bit more. Just, you know, um, but, but we noticed this, okay? We noticed that something happened between the first day and the second day, right? Because the second morning we walk in, and we look, and there's like croissants and granola and yogurt, and we're like, yeah. Am I in the Motel 6? Like, like, what is this garbage? Like, where are my scrambled egg whites? Right? And the waiters are coming by, and I'm, like, in, like trying to talk around them. Like, come on, dude, just get, just get out of the way, right? You know, like, the first day, I'm like, oh, no, no, you're the best. Second day, I'm like, Jeeves, why is my towel not folded like a swan? Where is my gray poupon mustard? Where is my turn down service with the little chocolate Jeeves? Where is the golf, golf cart transfer, transportation for me and Mrs. Bowie to go to our special event? And I realized this, how quickly power can go to our head. Isn't that true? Is, is, is that not human nature? Right, they, like that. That people don't have a good track record when it comes to handling power well, right? Like when, when think about it like this: when power and pride collide, it can turn toxic really fast, right? And so we notice this is everywhere. Like we're flying back, the TSA agents are treating everybody like idiots. Right? Like we go to Chili's and the hostess is like on a on a power trip. And I'm like, this is, this is the smallest amount of power <laughs> I've ever seen go to somebody's head. Because people do not have a very good track record of handling power well. And it's to this reality that Jesus speaks squarely to in what we call the Sermon on the Mount, okay? Where he's setting out this blessed way of life. The Sermon on the Mount, Jesus goes right off uh, Capernaum there around the Sea of Galilee up the shore to this little hill, sits at the top, gives a three-chapter sermon, Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7, where basically what he lays out is, he summarizes it at the very end. He says, if you will actually live this way, if you'll do what I I'm telling you to do, if you'll become who I'm calling you to become, then when all of life gets thrown at you, you'll actually still be found standing. 
right? And he begins the Sermon on the Mount there in Matthew 5 with what we call the Beatitudes. These are the eight blessed are you when statements of Jesus. Blessed are you when. And so that word bless, if you've been with us, we've been talking about it's, it can be kind of like a tricky word. In the Greek, it's that word makarios, which means blessed, which means happy, which means fortunate. And it can be a tricky word because if we're not careful, we can think that all those words produce emotion. Right? And so sometimes we need to be reminded that you may not always feel blessed when you're living God's way, but the truth is you are blessed when you're living God's way. You, you, you may not always feel the emotions, but the reality is still true, that you are blessed when you live God's way. Because the, the truth is, guys, this is an, upside, an absolutely upside-down way of living. And so when you live God's way, the rest of the world says, no, 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 go that way, and that's the way to blessing. And Jesus takes that whole thing, flips it on its head, and says, no, 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 guys, my people, my people, who I, who I call by my name, when you go this way, you're the ones who are actually blessed. And what Jesus is saying, he's saying, guys, if you follow me, I will form you into the true blessed people of God. And so what we've done, we spent the last two weeks here in Matthew 5, beginning with verse 3, with these Beatitudes, and Jesus says this, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. Anybody like recovered from last week yet? Like, oh my gosh, for they will be comforted. And then today, Jesus is landing on this third beatitude, blessed are the meek. Everybody say meek. Why? For they will inherit the earth. And what Jesus is doing, he's actually reaching back here into Psalm 37 back in the Old Testament, uh, which, which says this, a little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. So here's the question, okay? Here's the question. What is meekness? Right? Because that's not really a word that we use in today's world very much. So some translations actually swap that word meek out with humble or with gentle. Um, I don't like those words uh, because I don't think they go to the depth of what Jesus is trying to communicate right here. Because when we hear humble, we think like, oh no, like I'm not very much, but we're actually, we think we are. Right? When we think of humble, we think of somebody who opens up the door. But how many of you know you can open up the door for somebody else, but then still get offended at them for walking through before you? When you think gentle, lots of people think weak, like I don't have strength. That's not what we're talking about. In fact, what could be really helpful for us to know is there's only two people in the entire Bible who are called meek. Moses and Jesus. And those were not weak dudes. Right? One in the Old Testament that really sums up what meekness looks like in the Old Testament. And Jesus, the ultimate one who sums up what meekness looks like throughout all eternity. And so what we know right off the bat, looking at Moses, looking at Jesus, that you can be meek and still be strong. Right? So, so meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not a lack of confidence. Weakness, meekness is not this naturally being shy. Right? In fact, I'd say it like this. Meekness is nothing that you are naturally. None of the Beatitudes are anything that you are naturally. But meekness, here's the good news, okay? It may not be what you are naturally, but meekness can be what you become supernaturally through Jesus. Through Jesus. Why? Because blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. 
And here, guys, here, Jesus is tackling this big word that a lot of people hate this word, but he's tackling this word, power. Power. Because people do not historically have a good track record of handling power well. Now, here's the deal. I know this. You know, across all of our campuses today, some of you are like, well, Jesus ain't talking to me because I have no power, right? I ain't got nothing, man, right? But not true. Jesus is actually speaking to all of us because every single one of us has power of varying degrees, right? There's power in your words, right? There's power in your muscles. There's power in your titles. Mom, dad, Son, daughter, brother, sister, boss, right? They're, 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 there's power dynamics at work here. There's power in your time. There's power in your money. There's power in your relationships. And here's the reality, guys. When your power touches your pride, come on, somebody's like, well, I ain't got no pride. You're the worst. <laughs> we all got pride, okay? When your power touches your pride, Broken things occur, right? Because with, when, with power, pride-filled power, we cause pain to our kids. With pride-filled power, we cause pain to our friends. With pride-filled power, we power up, right? We stand tall. We walk a, we walk a, we walk a little bit too big for our britches, right? When, when, when we have power, pride-touched power, we abuse those who have less power. That's what we do. Whenever you see a kid beating up another kid on the playground, everybody thinks he's a screw-up. No, listen, he feels powerless because at home he's getting beat. And he's getting beat because he or she got beat by their parents. And what it is, we pass our pain down through power, pride-filled, trauma-filled power out into the world around us. But here's the big idea. In fact, if I could just sum up meekness with one big word, okay, with one, one phrase. Meekness is power under control. Okay, power under control. Now, it's much more dynamic than that, but, but this is just the thought, okay? Meekness is power under control. Let me give you a snapshot of meekness, okay? If y'all if know the, the scriptures, okay? Right before Jesus goes to the cross, if we find him in the Garden of Gethsemane, if you know how the story goes, uh, the temple priests have come to arrest Jesus, and then Peter, any of y'all identify with Peter? Oh my God, I identify with Peter, okay? So Peter has this idea, I'm gonna protect Jesus, because he clearly needs my protection, all right? And so he pulls out a sword, and what does he do? Chops a dude's ear off. Now, if you've never thought about this, nobody aims for the ear. <laughs> He's trying to chop this dude's head off, and the guy's like, whoop, <laughs> and he chops his ear off. And Jesus does the ultimate Jesus juke. He, like, picks it up, dribbles it around Peter, and, like, puts it back on the guy's head. <laughs> Heals the guy right there. And he looks at Peter like, like, you ever looked at your friend, they're like, you're like, <laughs> he looks over at Peter like, bruh, bruh, Peter. And this is actually what he says. Don't you understand that if I wanted to, I could have called 12 legions of angels to come and help me? Do the math, okay? Historically, a Roman legion was 5,000 soldiers. So Jesus is saying, Peter, bruh. Don't you understand? I could have just called 60,000 angels to come and destroy the whole world if I wanted to. But I didn't because that's meekness. Meekness, meekness, meekness is power under the control of humility for the sake of God's will being fulfilled in the earth. 
Meekness is power under the control of humility for the purpose of seeing God's will fulfilled in the earth. And blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. This meekness, let me just, let me just go ahead and prepare you, okay? This meekness is one of the most difficult ways of life, but it's also one of the most beautiful ways of life. Because this right here, meekness, is Jesus producing one of his most radical traits in his people. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So here's the question, okay? Let's endeavor to answer this a little bit today. What does meekness produce in me? Here's the first thing. Meekness sees others differently. Meekness sees others differently. Now, here's what we got to remember, okay? Is that the Beatitudes build, okay? This is not just Jesus listing off eight random things out there. No, there's actually an intentional sequence to the Beatitudes. One leads to two, leads to three, leads to four, all the way to eight, right? And so here's the journey that Jesus is beginning to take us on, okay? And maybe you can start connecting these dots, okay? The first Beatitude being poor in spirit. Here's what being poor in spirit is. It's, it's, it's God inviting us to realize our own weakness, our own inability, our own sinfulness, the fact that I am nothing, have nothing, and can do nothing without God is confronting me with the reality that not that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No, it's, it's confronting me with the reality that I have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So all I can do at that point is join with the apostle Paul who says, woe is me, this great sinner, how wretched I am, which takes me into the second beatitude of mourning. Blessed are those who mourn because now I'm not just seeing that I'm a sinner. I'm feeling that I'm a sinner, right? Now I'm actually facing those hurts and those pains and those wounds and the fragility and the mortality and the sinfulness and the sinful nature and the fact that, that even in the things that I want to do good, I'm so wicked I can't. And it breaks me and I bring it before God and to say, God, there's so many things that have happened in my life and so many things that I've done. God, I need you. And in that place, the Holy Spirit comes and he brings comfort. And now we arrive at the third beatitude where we can lift up our heads off of ourselves. Think about it like this. The first two beatitudes are me. Now what happens is once I've been poor in spirit and I've mourned, now I can lift up my eyes off of myself onto others. And I'd say it like this, guys. If I deal with myself in the first two beatitudes, now I'm ready to deal with others. Here's the problem, though. A lot of us, you know, we do Bible roulette. We're like, that one. Blessed are the meek. I'll do that one. No, you won't. No, you won't. You can't do the third one until you do the first two, and that's the problem. We have a culture right now, a Christian culture right now, listen, who's trying to deal with everybody else before they dealt with themselves. And this is the place where meekness is born. If I can look in the mirror in my own helplessness, at my own sin, at the evil that my hands and my heart and my words and my life have done, if then my heart has been broken and been brought low by who I am, by, by, by what I've done, by what's been done and by what I long for, right? Then I, listen, then I will never look at another person the same way. I can't. I can't, guys. If, listen, if I have, ah, if I have stared at the depths of my own sin, 
if I have looked at the, the one who lives in unapproachable light, Jesus Christ, the name that is above every name, and then I look back at myself, and then I see the dissonance between the two. If I have said, God, I am a sinner in need of a savior. And then these refreshing ways of grace pour over me, washing me as white as snow by the blood of Jesus. If then in that place, in my weeping and brokenness, if the Holy Spirit comes along beside me, and like a broken vase that's beyond repair, he puts it all back together again. There is now no room for me to look down on any person. Regardless of if they're homeless, and they're dirty, a prostitute, come on, a different political party, a different religion, a different race, a bad waiter having a bad day, a wretched sinner out there, or a wretched sinner in your own home, or a wretched sinner in your own mirror. I cannot look down on anybody. Listen, I'm not saying we excuse sin. I'm not saying there's no such thing as sin. No, what I'm saying is no longer can I act like I'm up here and I've arrived and I have all this and you peons are down there. As if I attained this, as if I did this. Guys, sometimes we need to be reminded, like Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Listen, you do have power. And if you've been born again, you've got the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead on the inside of you. You have power. But sometimes we need to be reminded that I'm a jar of clay, guys. I'm a, don't believe your own press. Well, mama always said, yeah, she's your mama. She, it's her job to say nice things to you. Don't, don't believe what all your followers write and how much they puff you up and send you the DMs. Oh, you're the greatest. Listen, guys, it was just Ash Wednesday this last week. It's a good week to be meek. That, that saying at the center of Ash Wednesday is remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. Guys, sometimes we need to be reminded that we're just a jar of clay, that we are dust and to dust will return. Now, I know some of you are like, I, I'm not sure if I believe that because I, I, I have my positive affirmations every single morning, <laughs> right? Now, listen, listen, listen. Hold it in tension. That's the beauty of Christianity. Hold it in tension. We're not denying who we are in and of ourselves, right? But I'm also not denying who I've become in Christ, Hold it in tension, right? Like, listen, guys, you are blessed and highly favored. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. You're a co-heir with Christ. You, you can just look in the mirror and say, I'm a child of God, right? I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. I'm a saint. I am blessed. I am chosen. I am loved. I am called. I am saved. I am washed. I am born again. But right over here, if Jesus hadn't done it, I'm dust. I'm dust. It's like David. David, I think it's Psalm 51, right? He said, it, it, Lord, if you remove your spirit from me tomorrow, and he'll never do it. But listen, if he did, you're dust. You're dust. 
And when I hold this intention, when I, when I have poor in spirit and mourning, right? When I hold these, these truths, these realities in tension, now my heart opens up for people who aren't inside the kingdom. Now I actually begin to love my neighbor and have compassion on my neighbor. Guess what? Because they're just like me, but by the grace of God. And I'm just like them, but by the grace of God. Right? Now I don't stand at a distance and yell for, my, for those idiots on TV. Get the speck out of their eye. Excuse me, let me move this two by four in mine. I can't sit back and judge. I can't act like I've attained it. Listen, you know who does that? Pharisees. Pharisees thought that, it, yeah, maybe there's some God's grace, but then I've been able to do it. Man, you ain't done jack. For real. For real. It's all him. I have not produced this in me. I have not arrived at this place. I did not die on a cross. I did not triumph over the enemy on the third day. I did not send the Holy Spirit down to empower my people. No, man, he did it all. So therefore, he's the one who gets the glory. Now it's my job to look with love and compassion out on this world and to realize that but by the grace of God, I'm just as lost as everybody else. So therefore, now I actually, instead of, instead of pushing back, now I lean in to the world around me because I know, man, you're this close because I used to be just like you. You're this close. You're this close. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And the first thing that that does, it produces on the inside of me is now I begin to see people differently. And if I, can get to, if I can get to that place to begin to see people differently, then I can move to the second reality, that I can begin to treat others differently. I begin to see people differently, and then meekness produces this truth in me of beginning to treat other people differently. Um, uh, again, uh, one example of meekness in the Old Testament, one in the New, that's all that's listed in the entire Bible. The old is Moses. If you know, again, if you know the, the, know the scriptures, right? Um, Moses was a murderer, Y'all remember that little detail? Yeah. Right? Like, here's what I love, the rawness of the Bible. Because, again, if I'm writing the Bible, if this whole thing is, like, man-made, I'm leaving this mess out, man. <laughs> right? Like, one of the most uh, assuring things to my soul is that they actually tell us the story of David having an affair. And, ooh, he sinned? Yes! Because there's only one Jesus. Sometimes we need to be reminded of that. Moses was a murderer. He's, he's, he, he sees this Egyptian soldier abusing a Hebrew person, right? And he doesn't know, oh, he has all this anger. And he rises up, forms his anger into a weapon and murders the man. And then he runs off into the desert. And in the desert, he meets God. And God changed him and God made him meek. Changed his whole life. And then you fast forward, right? Moses has led the people out, right? You know, through the Red Sea. They're wandering around in the wilderness. They get right to the promised land. Joshua and Caleb go in. They come back. They say, hey, guys, we can do it. All the Hebrew people are like, nope, kill those dudes. That's literally what happens in the story. And it's in this place of rebellion against God and rebellion against Moses. This occurrence happens right here in Numbers 14, verse 12. God says this, Moses, I'm about to kill these suckers. That's what he says. But Moses, I'm going to make you into a nation greater and stronger than they. 
And Moses said to the Lord, against all expectation, God, in accordance with your great love, forgive the sin of these people just as you have pardoned them from the time they left Egypt until now. Guys, just pause real quick. Just, can we just be people just for a second? Not church people. Can we just be people? All right. If there were people who hated you and hated God and were a constant thorn in your side and God said, hey, man, I'm about to come kill them all, you'd be like, all right, bet. <laughs> Crispy or grilled? <laughs> you, you gonna burn them? You gonna burn them? You send a big rock to squish them, make pancakes? Like what? Come on, God, have your way. Have your way. There they are. They're actually right over there. Right over there. I'll make it easy for you. But I want you to notice what happened. I want you to notice what happened. God transformed Moses from a murderer into an intercessor. In fact, I'd say it like this. The difference between a murderer and an intercessor is meekness. Both have power. Both have anger. The question is, what is going to color your anger? What are you gonna do with your anger? Is your anger gonna be wrapped in pride or is your anger gonna be wrapped in humility? Because one lashes out in violence, the other serves. Listen, we can do two things. With our power, we can scream or we can serve. We can tear down or we can build up. And guys, the truth is Moses changed. He went from killing his enemies to praying for his enemies. He used his power to give instead of to take. He, he saw people differently because of that, because God had so transformed his inner life he began to treat those people differently. Jump back over into the one person who's meek in the New Testament, Jesus, right? Jesus is on the way to the cross, and so he draws his disciples. He calls his disciples to him here in Mark 10, verse 32. He says, hey, guys, we're going to go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man, that's code for himself, uh, I, will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn me to death and will hand me over to the Gentiles who will mock me and spit on me and flog me and kill me. I love this. Three days later, he will rise. Then, everybody say then. then. It's like, like then, like now, then. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him and were like, teacher, hey, uh, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. <laughs> what? What? Jesus just said, hey, friends, closest friends I have in the world, I'm about to be brutally murdered. And they're like, hey, hey, we need a favor. <laughs> what? Any of y'all have kids? Anybody have kids? Right? Yeah? Number of us have kids? Okay. My kids do the same thing. I'm not sure about yours. Right? Here's what, here's what happens, right? Something happens, and I sit them down, and I'm like, hey, guys. Hey, guys, I got two sons. I'm like, hey, guys, I just want to let you know that I'm going to open up my heart, be vulnerable. I got a life lesson I want to teach you. Or I'm just pouring out decades of life and godliness and grace and God's love into your life. And then, then I'm done. Then their hand goes up. And they said, Dad, can I ask you a question? I'm like, yes, son, you can. He got it. He got it. Yes, son, ask anything you want. Can I play Xbox? Ah, God! Did you hear anything that I just said? Oh, my gosh! Anybody else? 
And that's exactly what happens right here. He's saying like, hey, I'm about to die. And they're like, hey, we need a favor. But I love this. Jesus did not like abuse them. He didn't beat them. He simply said this. All right, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want me to do for you? And they replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in glory. Okay, just stop. (laughs) Hey, Jesus, sorry you're about to die, but can we be famous? Can we be famous? No, listen. They're like, oh, you're about to die? Well, after you die, can I be on your right and he be on your left? (laughs) What? Did we leave out a key part here? What, you're gonna die? But listen. That's what pride does. Pride is only focused on what we call the withem. Y'all know the withem? What's in it for me? So when somebody's talking, I'm not really even listening to what they're saying. I'm just listening to how does this benefit me? What can I get out of this? How can I be served by this? How can I be better by this? I know you're going through the mess, but how can I benefit from the mess? Because I'm not really concerned about you. I'm really only concerned about me. And so Jesus is like, all right, got the kids together. Let's have a learning opportunity. Verse 42, Jesus called them together and he said this. He said, guys, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentile lord it over them, right? And their high officials exercise authority over. You know how that works? Like where the people who are leaders lord it over everybody else. And I'm sure the disciples are like, actually, Jesus, I know exactly what you're talking about. Because here's how power works. The people at the top have people who serve them. And in fact, if you're high enough, then when you have people serve you, then those people who serve you actually have people who serve them. Because power always serves up. Power gets served. And in fact, if we're really being honest, that's why we're following you, Jesus. Because we want to be powerful. We want to sit at the top of the pyramid with you. I want to be on your right. He wants to be on your left. I know you'll be in the center, but I'm going to be right there. And Jesus said, hey, you know how the world handles power? Verse 43. (laughs) Not so with you. Not so with you. Guys, I do this with my sons all the time, right? Sometimes they'll see something happen, and I'll pull them aside and be like, hey, guys, that's not how we do it. I know your friends are doing this. I know the world's going that way. I know, I know everybody says that this is the right thing to do, that that's the way to get ahead, but that's not how our family does it. And this right here is Jesus pulling his family aside and saying, guys, that's not how we do it. You, you've seen this example your whole life of how to get ahead, how to be powerful, how to get the earth. Not so with you. And what he's really saying is, guys, listen, 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 fast forward just a little bit of time, all right? I'm about to die. I'm about to ascend into heaven. And guess what? I'm about to send the Holy Spirit. You ain't seen power yet. You better wait until Acts 1-8 turns into Acts 2. The Holy Spirit comes. You're about to get the same power that's about to raise me from the grave. It's about to live on the inside of you. The things that you've seen me do in the last three years, you're about to be able to do. But listen, listen, when you guys are preaching and thousands of people are getting saved and the church is exploding and Peter, you're walking and your shadow's healing people. And everybody's saying, wow, you're so successful. Wow, how can I serve you? Oh, wow, you're so great. He says, don't let it go to your head. Don't lord it over them. Not so with you. Not so with you. Not so with you. The world tries to accumulate power up. Jesus is saying, my people distribute the power down. 
Use your power not to get more power. Use your power to serve. Because the meek have a power that's throttled by humility for the glory of God on the earth that they use to serve. And the, the truth is, is that something as simple as this has been so lost on the church. Right? Like, you, listen, I, I'm not pointing fingers, but you walk into some churches and they got like the thrones on the stage. I just need you to remember who's important. Hey, everybody, we need to pause. Prophetess is going to come up here and give a word. Everybody get out of the way. The man of God has come in with seven men holding his Bibles as armor bearers. And it rubs off on everybody. And we leave church and we go disrespect our waiters and waitresses. Tell our kids to shut up. Put everybody in their place disrespect authority, we abuse our employees, we're stingy with our money, and we act like we're up here and everybody's way down there. Why? Because everybody's trying to be great. We live in a world where everybody's trying to be great. And we're lording our power and our position and our money and our influence over everybody else. But to all that, Jesus says again, verse 43, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great, everybody say great. Great, great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Guys, here's what I figure. If Jesus didn't come to be served, I'm not here to be served either. And that right there is what meekness looks like, power under the control of humility. Here's, here's what I want you to notice real quickly. He says, whoever wants to be great, right? I want you to notice this. He did not call the desire to be great wicked. He didn't say, hey, whoever wants to be great is an idiot, is a loser, I hate you. No. He said, actually, here's what he did. He redefined greatness. Some of us, we just need to say, God, I, I give you permission to redefine greatness to me. What does greatness actually look like? Because here's the truth. We live in this world that says, if you want to be great, set up the system so you get served. Right? Do whatever you got to do to be served, to get the attention, to be in the lights. Right? But Jesus says this, James, John. You guys want to be great? Family of God, victory. You want to be great? Awesome. Awesome. Because it's possible to be great. But here's how you do it. Be everyone's slave. That's the last thing I thought Jesus was going to say. No, 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 no. If you want to be great, be meek. Greatness in heaven is measured in units of meekness. Philippians 2. 
Verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. In other words, think about people differently, which then will produce in you the ability to relate to them differently and treat them differently. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, But rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Guys, greatness in the world is measured by how many people serve you, but Jesus looks at his family and says, not so with you. Not so with you. Because the greatest in heaven is the greatest servant. Guys, write it down. Make it part of your life. If you want to go high in heaven, you have to go low on earth. And that never gets an amen. (laughs) It doesn't. Because it hurts. Right? It's, it's listen, it is challenging to everything we've ever learned. Right? If you want to go high, you got to go low. If you want to be first, you got to be last. (laughs) It's the upside-down kingdom, but it's actually the only real path to blessing. And guys, before God got a hold of me, I saw everybody. Listen, this is what pride does. I saw everybody basically as tools to be used to make me higher, make my life better. Come on, you driving down the interstate, those aren't people. They're inconveniences (laughs) in traffic. You're like, I hate all these guys. Somebody better be dead up there. It hurts because it's true, <laughs> right? Like we, before Christ, right? We're, all we have is pride. But now what I'm challenged to do is to not think about how I can use everybody to build me up. Now I'm actually challenged to say, God, how can I use everything that I have? Any power, any words, any money, any time, everything I have to serve you guys to serve you, to serve the world around me, right? To serve my family, to be generous so that we can flip this pyramid upside down and the first become last and the last become first and the greatest are the least and the least are the greatest and the ones who go the highest are the ones who go the lowest. To pour my life out, not just to see people different, but then to treat them different for the glory of God. So what does meekness produce inside me? I have to see people different. I begin to treat people different. And the third thing is, meekness dies to self daily. Okay. True meekness is excruciating. Now, I use that word on purpose because excruciating means as painful as crucifixion because what meekness is is crucifying our pride. Today is a funeral for your pride. What is the life of Christ in us manifesting is is meekness, right? 
What does it do? Meekness is us dying to the need to win. Come on, guys. We all do it. Even if you're wrong. We try and win the argument. Right? Why? Pride. Pride. You're like, somebody, you're like, I know I'm wrong, but I think I could still win. I think I could. Why? Pride. Meekness is dying to the need to impress people. Come on, you know, we, we, come on, guys. Ah, this, is what, this is what we do, right? We, we take the selfie because we're thinking about, oh, like 4 p.m. This is about to hit Insta and it's going to explode. <laughs> Right, we're taking the selfie and we look, no, right, and we change the lighting, we do, no, right, and I put six filters on and I send it to my friend who knows Photoshop, right, so he can shrink the right parts, make the other parts a little bit bigger. Come on, we post it, and then, and then, and then we lie on our resume. And you're in trouble if you get that job, by the way. <laughs> we tell stories that aren't true. Right? Or we exaggerate details. Why? Pride. Pride. Well, everybody does it. Pride. Meekness is dying to the need to promote myself. Come on, this is the culture that we live in, right? I'm gonna post this. I gotta check every 30 minutes about my follower base. All right, how can I boost my post? How can I boost this? How can I get more views? How can I get more of this? How can I get more clicks? How can I get more likes? How can I get more of me? How can I make myself feel bigger? Why? Pride. Meekness is dying to the need to control everything. Come on, guys. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. It's got to be just the way I like it. Everything has to be just the way I like it. It has to be just like that and just like that. And, just, and listen, somebody, you're going to be single the rest of your life if it's got to be just how you want it. I got to control it. I got to control it. It's got to be just. And listen, you can't control a dog. Sit. Why won't everybody else let me control them? Why do I do that? Why does it have to be just like I like it? Why does the lighting have to be just like that? Why does the color have to be just like that? Why does the toothpaste have to be just like that? Why do the dishes have to be just like that? Pride. Meekness is dying to the need to defend my reputation. Listen, guys, we're church people, right? A lot of us. I can say I'm poor in spirit, but you try and say I'm poor in spirit? Catch me outside. How about that? <laughs> You're about to catch these hands, right? These hands ain't as redeemed as my heart is. <laughs> right? Come on. Like, like, you can look in the mirror and be like, oh, I'm such a sinner. Somebody else says that about you? You're like, only God can judge me. <laughs> yeah, he can defensiveness towards people is the first evidence that we're not meek. Why, guys? Listen, pride. Because we have been taught our whole lives that it's the proud and the rich and the powerful who get the earth. Because we see it, right? We see it for a few decades. 
the ones who make the big claims, the ones who lie and cheat and steal, the ones who muscle up and power up and take it. But Jesus flips the whole thing upside down and says, guys, if you really want it all, like if you really, really want it all, be like me. Be meek. Why? Because Jesus did not defend himself. Listen, I know. This is, listen, okay, this is why you can't start in the third beatitude. You got to go back and you start, got to start being poor in spirit first. You can't be like, well, I'm just not going to defend my reputation. That's impossible. But as a sheep was before it shears, the lamb was silent in the place of slaughter. Jesus did not defend his reputation. Here's what somebody who's meek does, okay? When somebody slanders you, our first response is like, all right, I'm about to kill this sucker, right? But a meek person, you know what a meek person does? A meek person say, actually, that may not be true, <laughs> but, if, but actually, I'm way worse. Like, I'm way worse than what they just said. Like, if, you, like if my life was put up on that screen, it's way worse than what you just said about me. So in fact, what you said was actually a compliment. I received it. <laughs> the meek person is shocked that God and people can actually see them as good a light as they do. Because I know who I am. I know I'm, my heart is now be, learning to become honest. So I don't have to defend myself. Jesus didn't defend himself. Jesus didn't promote himself. Jesus didn't try to impress people. Think about this, guys. What did, do you know what the first thing that Jesus did when he came down the mountain was? Do you know that? So Matthew 5, 6, 7, he teaches the best sermon that's, that's ever happened, right? Jesus comes down the mountain, and he touches a leper. If I'm Jesus' publicist, I'm like, Jesus, no! Now's the time for the book signing. Now's the time for the revival meetings. Now's the time to put your name and lights on the front of the tent and get everybody to follow you. No, 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 no. Because if they see you touch a leper, they're going to say you're unclean. And you. No, that's not how God would do it. They would never follow you if you touch a leper. Like, like literally, Matthew 8, verse 1, Jesus walks down the mountain. If you're willing, you can make me clean. I am willing. Touches a leper. Why? Because he left it all in the hands of the Father. Think about this, guys. Jesus was so confident in who he was that he didn't need to prove it to anybody. And when you don't have to prove it to anybody, you're free to do whatever God calls you to do. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, the greatest freedom you could ever experience is the freedom to follow God the freedom to have nothing to prove, the freedom of being fully satisfied in God and in his work in your life. Because when I have nothing to prove, now I can do whatever I need to do. Because I want you to like me, but I don't need you to like me. I'm confident in who I am. My heart's honest before the Lord. Listen, I'm not talking about myself. I'm saying I'm climbing this mountain with you guys. But what I'm saying is the, the greatest place of freedom, saying, God, I'm yours. I have nothing to prove. My heart is honest before the Lord, so I hold it in tension. Yeah, I know I'm wicked. I know I'm broken. I know I'm a sinner, but I also know I'm a saint. I, know, I also know I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. <laughs> I also know I have resurrection power in my life. And in that sense, listen, 
I already have it all. I already have it all. I have no lack. Paul says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He says, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way in great endurance and troubles and hardships and distresses through glory and dishonor. Now listen, this is when you start getting into meek territory right here. Through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as imposters, lied about, right? Known yet regarded as unknown, mistreated, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, yet making many rich, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. Doesn't that resonate with your soul? Come on, if you're born again today, doesn't that resonate with your soul? On one hand, it's like I have nothing compared to what the world says is success. But on the other hand, I have everything. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So in a sense, the meek already have the whole world today. Because I have nothing to prove. But listen, Jesus is also speaking to people here who are literally oppressed by the Romans. So listen, you today may say, I feel pressed down by a system that's invisible. I feel, I feel like I can't get a bank loan. I feel like I can never pay off debt. I feel like I have no power. I feel like I have no this. I have no that. I have no that. I look around and I see the wicked prospering. I see the ones who lie and cheat and steal and muscle. I feel like they're the ones in control. And what Jesus does, here's what he says. He says, yeah, they are in control. For about a day, for about an hour. But listen, in the new heavens and the new earth, you get it all. You get it all. So don't judge your blessedness based on an hour of life. Because in all eternity, you get it all. You get it all. And John Stott says this. I love this. It's so simple. He says, 50 billion trillion years into eternity, God's people will still be rejoicing that this beatitude is literally true. It's all yours. The whole earth is yours. You are co-heirs with Christ. It's all yours. It's all yours. However, it comes with a cost. We stop fighting for it today. If God, listen, if God wants to give you power, if God wants to give you promotion, if God wants to give you there today, that's awesome. But listen, I'm not clamoring for it anymore. I'm not trying to get to the top of the pyramid for myself anymore. I'm not demanding my rights and demanding that I'm right. I'm trusting God and endeavoring to live like Jesus. I'm becoming poor in spirit. I'm mourning. Then I'm picking up my head to see and engage this world differently because that's what meekness is. And to those who have allowed the life of Christ to so permeate their soul, to so transform them away from the old man that they used to be, who have become meek, seeing people differently, treating people differently, and dying to self daily. Heaven sees all that and says, since you didn't clamor for it today, since your, your power is actually throttled by humility today, Congratulations. You'll inherit it for all eternity. It's yours. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Here's this last thought. I love this. I read this this last week. 
R.T. Kendall says, it is painful to be meek, to be tamed, controlled, utterly out of the picture. It is not natural to be like this, but it is a sign that God somehow managed to get in. <laughs> so here's what we need to do. We need to give God an opportunity to get in. Come on, across all of our campuses today, let's bow our heads. Let's bow our heads. Let's press in. Oh, God. This hurts. This hurts. In fact, my, my, my soul this whole week is, is like being caught in this tension, right? Like this, this tension of joy, of knowing everlasting life, this, this tension of joy of knowing that I'm smiled on by God yet also holding an intention where it's like this death that's happening on the inside of me. I don't know, some of you may be feeling that. It's this heaviness. And here's what that is. It's a funeral for pride. It's pride, the old, what, what scripture would call the old man. That dead part of you. Oh, it's, it's like that old shell is starting to come off but it hurts because, because almost in essence, it disagrees with everything you've been taught your whole life in this world. That the way up is not really the way up. The way up is the way down. <laughs> and through going down, you actually go up. It's this beautiful upside down kingdom. And so God, we say this, we wanna live blessed, but we know that the blessing of God, the real deep, true, everlasting, permanent blessing of God looks different than what this world calls blessed. And so we need to step into this place of being meek. But here's what I know. We can't be meek unless we first mourn and we can't mourn unless we've acknowledged being poor in spirit. Saying that God, without God, I am nothing, have nothing, can do nothing. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. But the good news is today, guys, the savior has come and his name is Jesus. And so today, right now in this moment, across all of our campuses, some of us, we just need to acknowledge that we are poor in spirit and that we need Jesus Christ to save us. And so today we're putting our faith in him as our savior, not ourselves as our savior. So right now, if that's you, if today you need to say, hey, I'm putting my faith in Jesus. Just before God, we just want you to slip your hand up across all of our campuses. Come on, slip your hand up. Yeah, 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 it's a lot of us. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. The family of God around us today is going to pray as well. Sometimes we just kind of need to renew and remind ourselves of faith. And so right now, let's pray like this. You can repeat after me. Say, Jesus, today I confess I'm prideful. I'm not strong. <laughs> I'm broken. And I need a Savior. Thank you that you're the Savior. So right now, I repent of my sin, the things I run to for comfort, and all the darkness. I turn from it, and I turn to Jesus. And right now, I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord, is my King, is my Savior. And through faith in Christ, I am forgiven I am free because he's alive. I can walk in newness of life. 
And today, God is my Father through faith in Jesus. And I'll live for you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Now let's do this, guys. So just, if you're able, won't we stretch up our hands? This is just surrender, okay? What would it look like for you to take a posture of surrender? Let's just do this today, today across all of our campuses, okay? God, here's our prayer. Here's our prayer. Take me, shape me, mold me, and make me like Jesus. God, I must decrease so that you can increase. Less of me, more of you. And today, God, I hold a funeral service for my pride. And it's not as if I'm never gonna have to deal with this again, but right now before the Lord, God, I have been crucified with Christ. God, today, we victory, we die to pride. We die to our reputation. We die to the need to be right. We die to the, the need to hold our titles above other people, to defend myself, to possess everything, to control everything. So that now, God, we can actually use whatever power you've given us to serve, to lift up, to empower to be generous, to give away, to love, to be others focused, not to draw people to us, but God, to draw people to Christ Jesus. And God, I pray that we would live so differently, meekly out in this world so that others would see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. And we pray this all in the matchless name of Jesus for your name, for your fame, and for your glory. Let your kingdom come and your will be done here on this earth through your people as it is in heaven. And everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, let's celebrate everybody who just came to faith in Jesus today. God bless you guys.